1: Good afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews.
2: Good afternoon and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. You know, we don't like to talk about anger. It's a much despised emotion, considered by most to bring us all too close to the edge of that precipice over which we dare not fall, lest we have to consider ourselves to be bad or even evil people. For most religions, anger itself is, a thought, of, is thought of as a sin. Many New Age or even New Thought practitioners tell us of the dangers of being angry, dangers that range anywhere from anger's power to make us operate from that lower self or the ego to its supposed power to attract so-called negative people and events into our lives. We fear our anger, and we are ashamed of our anger. Therefore, we suppress our anger and even repress our anger so that it is left to leak out unconsciously through health problems, passive-aggressive, or even aggressive behaviors. But what if all of these years we've been pushing away one of our most important transformative powers? That's what we're going to be talking about today. What is the transformative power of anger? Well, like I said, if you hear about anger or speak about anger or listen to uh, many of the world's leaders today, be it spiritual or otherwise, you're going to hear that anger is a bad thing. It's a quote-unquote negative emotion, and uh, we should not spend much time thinking about it. And uh, in that process, what happens is we sort of – what uh, one of our guests recently, Robert Masters, would have called, we spiritually bypass that emotion. And in the process, we lose out on some spiritual gifts that it has to give us. Uh, A lot of people go to therapy for anger. A lot of people, uh, for, particularly when, uh, anger control therapy is one of the sort of, uh, buzzwords today. Um, and what we, what we now know is that once upon a time, Freud thought that who was, who was considered to be the father of psychiatry was thought to have, uh, who, to believe that all anger came from sexual impulses. But later in his life, he decided that he'd had a um, a kind of psychic blindness in which he had failed to realize that anger is a natural part of the human life and that it doesn't always come from sexual or aggressive tendencies. So um, Stephen Diamond wrote about that in his book called Anger, Madness, and the Demonic, the Psychological Gen- Genesis of Violence, Evil, and Creativity. Um, and he tells us also that clinicians today don't always deal with anger very well, and that we also suffer from a kind of psychic blindness when it comes to anger. And this is a quote from his book on page 144. It says, for the most part, we wish it would magically disappear without our having to hear, see, or speak of it. Now, that doesn't make us much different than the public. <laughs> so we clinicians might need to take a second look at anger and ask ourselves what we re- what's really going on there because the only way we tend to deal with anger is when it gets out of control. Then we call it anger management therapy and uh, or anger control therapy and we, we try to treat it from a perspective of, of a diagnostic evaluative approach. But if anger really does have a gift to give us, perhaps it's not necessarily so diagnostic unless it gets to that explosive stage and we're going to talk about how it gets there in just a minute. So there's lots of different causes and lots of different therapists and, and, and researchers and writers out there talking about what caused anger, what causes anger. As I said, Freud says it came from sexual impulses that we have been repressing. Karen Hornei said it came it comes from anxiety. Carol Tavris said it comes from a frustration aggression. In other words, we get frustrated and therefore we uh, get aggressive because of our frustration. And Campbell said that women who repress anger because they feel guilty are much more likely to become violent later. Lois Frankel said that when women experience power and control being impeded, they get angry, but if they repress this, they get depressed. But then Carol Tavris, who wrote Anger, the Misunderstood Emotion, said that anger and depression are quite possibly two different learned responses. So there's all kinds of theories about where it came from. Um, and I think my, my personal theory is that... Uh, the reason we're trying to find a place where it came from is because we think of it in diagnostic terms. So it's much the same way that people used to say, well where how to you know why as a person homosexual, they're homosexual because they they didn't like their mother and they liked their father or their father rejected them or their mother rejected them or all these different reasons, the causes supposedly for uh, for a person to be a gay, a lesbian person, but actually it's turned out that there are no causes. It's just how a person's born. So in that same way, we are born with anger, and uh, we tend to want to push it away because in our world, anger's a bad thing. Um, however, it's interesting that while, while at the same time we are as a collective saying basically that anger's bad and that people who have... Uh, problems, quote-unquote problems with anger, uh, should go to anger management. We're also watching a lot of violence on TV, and reality TV has taken this violent uh, sort of swing so that we like to watch people go at it on TV. Um, and, and so we, we've got this kind of mixed metaphor, this mixed message that our culture's given us that's saying, don't be angry, but let's, let's be angry. (laughs) So it's a real interesting paradox. Um, the problem, however, as I see it with anger, is not anger itself, but the repression of anger. So, when we repress anger, what does that mean? It means a feeling comes up in our conscious awareness or even not in our conscious awareness and we quickly push it under the radar so that we can't see it, feel it, notice it at all and it goes down into the unconscious and it sits there. Well, if you think of the unconscious, and it's it's really not this way, but if you think of the unconscious for just a second so you can see this metaphor of a small container and you keep trying to stuff the stuff, You know, anger in it, and in it, and in it, and anger's got an energy. It has an energy all by itself, and and it is that energy that it's that is its greatest value. But. Uh, we stuff that energy down inside a container and keep trying to stick the lid on it, right? And so, you know, what's going to happen eventually is that energy is going to foment in there. And besides which, it's getting too crowded anyway, because you keep stuffing more and more. And one day, a volcanic explosion is going to happen, and it ain't going to be pretty as we say here in the South. So, uh, you know, the, the, the deal is that it's repression that is the cause of these massive explosions we see. It's repression that has people picking up guns and shooting each other sometimes. When, you know, I, I used to um, hear about situations where people uh, came into the emergency room having shot each other over a card game. Um, so th- these are the triggers, The little, a little straw gets dropped on the proverbial camel's back and boom, the whole thing goes off, so uh, I guess that metaphor went off when we <laughs> comparing a camel's back to a bomb doesn't work very well, but the point is that we explode because somebody has put that last little, little drop of something on it and then boom. Um, the other way that repression can work is that it it comes out in a little passive aggressive ways, so it, what's happening is we same thing happens um, a, a feeling of anger arises to the subconscious level, and it is then put uh, pushed quickly into the unconscious level where it is supposed to stay. And because it's down there in the unconscious level, that means we don't know about it. It doesn't mean that our friends and relatives don't know about it. It only means that we don't know about it. And so what's going to happen is that uh, we're going to leak it out in these little small little bursts. Okay, so sarcasm is one of the ways of doing that. And um, I like sarcasm. I think sarcasm in certain uh, has a certain creative capacity to be fun uh, when it's done in fun. Um, and when it's done in sort of a truth-telling way, but I don't think it's—and uh, uh, I don't mean truth-telling that's passive-aggressive. I mean, you know, you're you're telling the truth, but you're doing it in a way that the person can actually hear it. So sarcasm can be good, but on the other hand, sarcasm can also be a way of being passive-aggressive. So what do I mean by passive-aggressive? Passive means I'm doing nothing. Aggressive means I'm doing a whole lot of something. Okay. Aggressive t- generally means I'm jumping out there to get something done, get something taken care of. Passive means I'm not going to do anything about it. Okay. So pa- the passive part of us wants to push the anger away. The aggressive parts of a part of us wants to go tell Joe off right now. So we put those two things together and what we do is we get this little leak so that we tell Joe off without I have ever having to admit that we've told Joe off. All right? So I say something really kind of nasty to Joe, but I say it in a kind of undercurrent, kind of sarcastic way. And then when Joe goes, well, you know, what do you mean by that? I go, oh, Joe, I was just joking. Just get over it. And I've had my say. And I think by that, that Joe knows that I'm mad, and he's gotten the message. Very often, Joe hasn't gotten the message at all. He doesn't know what the heck's going on, but I think he does. I've had many, many clients and and readers and and other folks that I talk to just say to me, "Well, you know, I know he knows how I feel. Well, how do you know he? Well, because I acted so and so and so and so way, and so that you know, he has to know how I feel. No, he doesn't have to know how you feel. You weren't clear, so how is he going to clearly get your message? So. That's passive-aggressive. It's an unclear way of saying, I got you, but I'm not ever going to admit that I got you, nor am I going to even admit that I have any feelings that would want me to get you. So that's passive-aggressive. And then, of course, we have the aggressive, which is the explosion. Uh, Another way to be passive-aggressive is to hold on to the anger and hold on to the anger and hold on to the anger and hold on to the anger, anger and, and it's down there in the unconscious until finally one day somebody drops that proverbial straw and we explode And then after that, you hear these nasty sucking sounds as somebody's trying to take all that anger back and go, I didn't mean it. I just said all those things, but I didn't really mean all those things. I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. I didn't mean it. You know I didn't mean those things. I didn't mean them. uh, You you can't hold me accountable. Those words, I I didn't really mean any of them. And what's really happening is they're taking it all back. And now they're going to become passive again. So that's a passive, uh, aggressive sort of teeter totter where you get very passive and pleasant and pleasing and then boom, you explode and then passive aggressive and pleasing and boom, you explode. That's a pattern as well that, uh, that is called passive aggressive. Both of the, all, both, all of those have to do with repressing anger. None of those have to do with just the anger itself. They have to do with trying to put away an enormous, wonderful, powerful force in our lives and pretend that it doesn't exist. That's the problem. Okay, Carl Jung wrote about uh, people repressing their emotions in uh, uh, an article and book called Psychology and Religion. He said this, It's highly moral people, unaware of their other side, who develop the peculiar irritability and hellish moods which make them insupportable to their relatives. That's a very funny comment, I think, and it's a very true comment. What he's basically saying is, because we think that anger is wrong, I mean, when it comes to anger, basically, we think any negative emotion is wrong. But in particular, we're talking about anger today. So we think anger is wrong. Therefore, we push it away. We make it. Un- we make ourselves unaware of it. And then we become these irritable people with bad moods that our relatives don't want to hang out with. And then we wonder why nobody likes us. Well, it's because we're pushing away our anger. And like I said a little while ago, it, we only push it away so we can't see it. That doesn't mean our relatives and, 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 and friends can't see it. They can see it, and they see it in ways that we, they could definitely point out to us. We're probably not going to believe them, but they could point it out to us. And that's why, uh, you know, as you know, I used to work in the field of alcoholics, uh, drug and alcohol field, and I used to hear people say, uh, you know, if 50 people tell you you have a tail, maybe you ought to turn around and look and see if you have a tail. Well, that's analogous to what Carl Jung had said, where uh, it's the highly moral people who are unaware of their other side who become irritable and, and hellish to their relatives. So... Uh, it 's the same thing we have that tail because we 're not conscious of it, but other people see the tail they see the tail, so you may think you 're hiding it from everybody, but you 're not the other people see it, and they might not even know what to call it, but they see it they might not go oh that 's a tail, but they do know it they do see it so okay, so when we 're talking about anger what we generally what we generally hear in this in in any Uh, Setting where spirituality is the primary topic of concern is that anger is a bad thing, that we should not be angry, that we should not feel anger, that if we feel anger, we're just holding on to stuff and we need to let that go and we need to hurry up and forgive. And we talked to Robert Masters about this a little bit last week, uh, last time, about his uh, book, Emotional Intimacy. And very good book and there's another one that he wrote called spiritual bypassing which is also a very good book and uh... what he's basically saying with spiritual bypassing is that we can put on uh... what he calls a holy drag in other words it's uh... the the ability to um hide behind avoid our emotions by hiding behind our quote-unquote holiness Um so we're good people we don't get angry We don't call people names. We don't throw things. We don't act ugly, as we say in the South. We don't act ugly. So, um... Well, basically what that means is we're trying really hard to push away something that's a vital energetic force in our lives. And we're going to talk about how how that energy works. But before we do that, I want to talk a little bit about it as anger as behavior because that's how we generally think of it. We generally think that anger is only behavior, which says how little we know about this amazing force. Um, it is a, a power that when we push it away, it becomes action, and then we, we say, okay, well, it, that's what it is. It's action. I've literally had people um, come to my office as clients and say to me, well, I wasn't angry. I didn't throw anything. I didn't yell. I wasn't angry. And I, and I say to them, well, you're talking about behaviors. I'm talking about the feeling. Did you have feelings of anger? Well, yeah, I had some of those, but I wasn't angry. (laughs) So that's how badly we've split off. We've split off into this, these two people when it comes to anger. There's a part of me that might even notice on rare occasions that I get angry, but I have, but if I don't act angry, then I'm not really angry. That's a form of denial. Okay. Why do we need to deny our anger? We need to deny our anger because we think it makes us bad. It makes us bad people. But actually, it makes us authentic people. And we're going to talk about how that is before today's over. So I want you to stay tuned for that. But, but uh, when it's behavior... It can be throwing things. It can be hitting. It can be punching. It can be pinching. It can be yelling. It can be screaming. It can be, it can be assertiveness. It can be simply saying what you think and feel. It can be making a decision to change your life. It can be making a decision to buy something or to not buy something. It can it can be a way of energizing your spirituality. It can be take the force of all different kinds of actions. But that's not generally what we think. We we think of it in its most most negative terms, violence. But here's what I want to say again. If If you don't remember anything else about this show, I want you to remember this. People don't get violent because they're angry. People get violent because they've been repressing anger. Okay? So what that means is when we deny our anger, we might just be setting ourselves up for some violence later. Right, So that's what I want to say first and foremost. Anger is a very, very important tool. And anybody out there who's telling you that you should not feel angry or you should not get angry is misleading you. They are misguiding you. Anger is an emotion we were given at birth. It is a part of our birthright. It is a part of our heritage as divine beings. And we are meant to use it. It is not meant to use us, but we are meant to use it. And we're going to talk about how that happens as we explore it some more today. So just know this. Anger is useful to us when we know how to use it. Anger is a saboteur when we try to repress it. You know what a saboteur is. They don't come out in the broad daylight and say, hey, yo. Yo. I'm fixing to put a bomb in your plane. Watch this. They don't do that. They come in the dark of night, and they they sneak around so you don't see them, and they put the bomb in the plane so that when it takes off, it blows up. Well, that's what our inner saboteur does, too. It sneaks around in the dark, but it only has the power to do that because we are repressing it. Okay? Repression is the problem. So come back. We're going to talk some more about what the feeling of anger does, how it can be used as a powerful, a lying force in our lives, how it can actually connect us to divine source. So stay tuned for that.
0: The Voice America 7th Wave Channel
1: Are you interested in finding out more about Divine Guidance? We all possess special gifts in this world, and sometimes finding out more about them and how to use them can help us get through some of the difficult parts of our lives. Tune in to Elemental Balance, Soul and Spirit Guidance with host Phyllis Valois. Phyllis is an intuitive and medium who will use her gifts to help you find out more about your gifts. Listen every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel.
0: Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio, because shift happens.
1: Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Seventh Wave Network.
0: The Voice America Seventh Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change.
2: And we're back, and you know the Authentic Living show is sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. You may wonder what the terms holistic theology mean. Well, theology is the study of the divine, and holistic theology is a holistic study of the divine that includes all religions and even transcends religions to get to the mystical core of them all. The American Institute of Holistic Theology offers doctorate, master's, and ministerial bachelor's degrees, chaplaincy programs with internship, NBCC-approved continuing education, and a brand-new Ph.D. program in holistic theology. AIHT's programs include degrees in the following. Holistic Theology offering is terminal degrees, both a ThD and a Ph.D., Holistic Ministries, Holistic Health and Spiritual Care, Metaphysical Spirituality, and Alternate Spiritual Traditions, which includes in-depth studies in the paranormal. Using a home study model for distance learning, the student of AIHT gets a thorough education in the field that fulfills and offers a chance to authenticate a unique gift for the world. AIHT is a real educational program where you will get a real learning experience in a broad spectrum of educational endeavors, utilizing as your text-writing teachers spiritual experts from all over the world. And right now, A.I.H.T. is running a special program in which if you email in before August 1st, you can get a free course. Just email beverlylove at a-i-h-t and make win a free course your subject. If your letter is drawn, you'll win a free course to check out the quality of the work you do at A.I.H.T. The big deal is that facilitating your dream is A.I.H.T.'s mission. So, if you are interested in getting a degree at AIHT, please contact Beverly Love at aiht.edu. You can go to www.aiht or contact Beverly Love at 800-650-4325. Again, if you'd like to enroll right now, pick up the phone and call 800-650-4325. You know, Oprah says education is the key to unlocking the world, a passport to freedom. Call and get your passport today. So we're talking today about anger and what it, what, why we have it, what it's for, and is it possible that maybe we've been given this really demean- demonic force inside of ourselves known as anger? No. The answer to that last question is no. That's not what anger is. But that's generally how we've thought about it. It's the enemy. And part of that, it comes from our ideas about ego. So let me say a little bit about that. We have an idea that ego is a problem. A ego is something to be overcome Ego is a uh, the part of our lower self, and we have a higher self that we should be living out of, and not living out of that bad ego. What I'm here to tell you is that thinking continues to split us in half. We continue to split off so that we repress parts of ourselves that we call ego, which makes only makes serves to make our shadow, which is the unconscious, bigger, and we uh, and we move on into. Um, trying to be that higher self, which means that we're trying to live as a quote-unquote good person who's very spiritual and very spiritually aware and very connected to the divine source. And and I have literally had people tell me, well, I'm enlightened. And the minute somebody comes and tells me they're enlightened, I know they're not. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's how it is. Because uh, what that says is I already know all that I need to know. Um, enlightenment is not overcoming ego because once you've overcome what you call ego, you have repressed a huge chunk of yourself. Okay? Second, what you're calling ego is not even the correct definition of ego. The correct definition of ego is a neutral force inside of us that sorts out the fine distinctions between external world and internal world. That is all that the ego is for. It is not a thing that has some kind of force now that's Freudian Freudian back in the days of Freud which a good percentage of his theories have been largely um moved beyond I don't want to say debunked because he did start this uh field of psychiatry and psychology and was very helpful in us beginning to think about our inner worlds but was as most people are who are starting off wrong about a lot of things so uh So what happened is he taught us that there was an id, a superego, and an ego. And that's where we got our definition of ego. So the ego was this force who was trying to always uh, negotiate between the superego and the id. The id was this wild, feral force that was amoral. And the superego was this judgmental, judge, judging, moral, highly moral person inside of us. And the poor ego was stuck between the two battling it out. Well... That's a dualistic perspective on psychology, and it's not considered by, by, by many to be true anymore, although there are still some Neo-Freudians who believe it. Um, I don't believe it. I don't agree with it, and I would like to teach many people to change their definition of ego because I think that definition continues to split us off between consciousness and unconsciousness. So, all right, so that's ego. The shadow is the unconscious, all of our, all of the parts of ourselves that we don't know about are in the shadow. They're not just bad parts, although you get that teaching from a lot of our spiritual teachers today, too, that the shadow Hulk contains all the things about us that are bad, and that we don't want to know about. Well, if they, if it does contain that, it's because we sent them there, because we labeled them as bad and unacceptable, and we sent them there. But they actually have an energetic force that we can use, just like anger can. But today, we're going to dwell on anger. We're going to talk about anger. So, Let's talk about anger as a feeling. What does that feel like? Well, it ranges a gamut from starting off with low-grade frustration, moving up to irritability, moving from there to something we would call anger that we recognize as anger, and moving from there through various stages all the way up to rage. Okay, so how do we get to rage? Well, there's a couple of ways. One of those is to repress the anger at its earlier stages, and then it builds and builds and builds and builds and builds into rage. That's one of them. The other is to have to live with, and this is a kind of repression as well, but to have to live with someone who is constantly abusive but will not let you express your anger or something that feels largely unfair and yet you are given no uh, room for expression of how unfair it is, and and feel pretty helpless before the enormity of that, and so you grow up with this low grade kind of anger that's just sitting there as a cold, you know, stone on your heart that won't let you feel anything else but anger, and very often those kind of people grow up to be violent and pe- people who like to toy with other people through violence. So I would call them psychopaths. So, uh, so that's a kind of st- Uh, fast boiling but constantly boiling um, feeling of rage that's just kind of festering all under the surface at all times and when they're being charming it's a way of sort of mocking other people for their foolishness and believing them and then when they're being kind it's the same thing and when they're being angry they're being honest because that's all they know Um, so so those are the two ways but both of them have to do with having to push away feeling okay so so here's the thing, when we start pushing away feeling, any feeling, whether it's anger or sorrow or happiness or joy or, you know, whatever it is, we push away the others too. We deny ourselves accessibility or easy accessibility to other feelings as well. Now, people who work in the spiritual field will tell you that's not really true, that you you can have great joy even while you're repressing your anger. And That part is true because we are at our core level, divine beings, and we can access that divine joy. But that doesn't mean that we should continue to repress our anger. So when we say, oh, well, I can feel no anger and also feel great joy, what we're saying is we'll see anger belongs in the unconscious. It doesn't belong in the conscious world. Um, And I'm saying that's not true. I think our joy increases exponentially when we can... Um, ground our, uh, anger and begin to integrate it into a, our lives as a useful, elemental, and, uh, necessary energy. So, uh, so, okay. So that, the, the feeling is, um, a sort of a knot in your chest. Um, it, it, it can mean that your body language starts tensing up. Uh, it can mean that your facial expression changes. It can mean your eyes change. Um, so those might be things that we can sense physically. Um, some people feel their faces go red. Some people feel that their whole body begins to tingle when they feel angry. Um, those are senses, uh, body senses that we can feel, physical sensations. Um, but emotionally, um, anger very often feels like either fear or sorrow. In a in a mix with anger, okay? And what that says is that the anger is a part of that mix. Sometimes the anger is out in front trying to protect us from feeling those things. But sometimes the anger, when it's used as a useful tool, can blend with those things to help us get to know ourselves better. And we're going to be talking in the last segment about exactly how that works. We'll talk a little bit about it in this segment as well in just a few minutes. But um, so so it can be mixed. So you very often hear people say, I just don't know why I cry when I get angry. Well, they cry. we cry when we get angry because there's a mix of emotion there. It's not just one emotion. And we tend to think in black and white terms. If I'm feeling this, I can't also simultaneously be feeling that. And the fact is we can feel a, a range of emotions and, and about a given topic or we can feel uh, several things about several different topics all at once. Um, so I might be very angry having a really rotten day and then look out at something beautiful and feel that sensation of beauty and, and joy flush through me. Um, I, I might also simultaneously have anger but also have sorrow and also have even compassion for the person I'm angry at all at once. So it can be a, a, a little bit confounding and daunting to, to sort of wander into the inner world there and sort those emotions out. But that is exactly what we're asked to do because our inner world is the only real world. I'm not saying the rest of the world is an illusion, so I want to be real careful about that. I don't believe that the world we live in is an illusion. I believe it's very real, and we are here trying to unite form with formlessness and all the different aspects of ourselves into one, not only one individually, but one collectively. But I do, I do think that we can, um, we can disempower ourselves from our uh, emotions by, by pretending to ourselves that they don't exist. So again, repression is the problem. So how then, how can we turn anger into something that is an actual spiritual tool? Okay, That's what we're going to spend the rest of our time today talking about. When you think about anger, um, you can think about it in terms of a hammer. Okay, So you remember the old song by Peter, Paul, and Mary? Well, maybe you don't know Peter, Paul, and Mary. I'm telling my age here. But there's an old song called, If I Had a Hammer. It, and the lyrics are uh, just a little bit like this. If I had a hammer, I'd hammer uh, all around the world. And basically what it's saying is I'd like to use that hammer to change things. Well, that's what anger can be. That's one of the things it can be. But But if you think about building a house, okay, if you think about building a house, what that means is that you're going to have to have a hammer to build it. And every day that you're taking that hammer, hammer outside of the house and beating somebody else over the head with it, you are not building your house. And every day that you're building your house, you are building your house. So in order to get the nail into the wall, you're going to have to have a hammer. In order to build a house, you're going to have to have a hammer. That's why our anger is one of the reasons why our anger is useful to us, because it allows us to build our house. And by house. I mean with the walls in the right place, the decorations where we want them, the roof as we need it, the doors where we need them and how we need them, the windows where we need them and how we need them, the bathrooms installed in the right places. You see, all of that, that's our space. This is where I live on planet Earth. I live in a psychological home of my own making. A spiritual home of my own making, a psycho spiritual home of my own making. Although I don't like those words because it sounds a little bit like spirituality is kind of psycho, but but it's a blend of the two. So uh, so essentially, that hammer is very very useful to us. It is a strong transformative fool, tr- tool. It transforms us into people who have a place to live in our own space and our own inside of our own spirituality inside of our own psychology we have a place to live many 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 of us do not have a place to live inside of our own psychology we do not inhabit ourselves we do not inhabit the range of our experience we do not inhabit our own emotions we do not live inside life we live somewhere out there in the future while we're thinking about uh what's going to happen out there or what just happened yesterday or who done it today or who said that or who, how we're going to get somebody back for what they did and we're all out there. We're not inhabiting our lives. With that hammer, with the hammer that anger is, along with all the other emotions that go with it, with the hammer that anger is, and the other emotions can be other tools, like they can be nails or saws or whatever, but anger is the hammer. Okay, So anger is, without anger we are not going to build our houses we're not going to be able to inhabit our lives that's how important anger is and that's why we need it to bring about the uh the the hope that comes from inhabiting our own lives the joy that comes from inhabiting our eyes, our own lives so um, when we look out at life and we try to say to ourselves, well, I'm going to be a good, strong spiritual being. and I'm going to be kind to everyone I meet today. And I'm going to be all about loving. And I'm not going to feel any of that uh, awful, terrible, no good anger. What we're saying is the anger that is also love will not express. The anger that is also self-love will not express. Okay, so here's how that works. Every time that I am able to say to you, that when you say that or you when you do that, I am hurt or I, I feel this or I feel that, then I'm not able to create a wall where I need a wall in my home. If I can't say that to you, then I can't create the boundaries I need between between what you're doing and what I'm receiving. I can't even sometimes understand you. If I don't say that to you, because if I don't say that to you, then I might not hear you say back to me. Now, wait, there's been a misunderstanding here. Uh, Let's clear this up. Let me tell you what's really going on inside of me. Then we come to a new understanding and now we have a deeper relationship. Why? Because I got angry at you. And I said what I felt. All right. So if I can't use anger to do that. There are many things in my relationships that are never going to happen. I have worked with couples for years. I've been doing uh, uh, my clinical, well, not the practice, but I've been doing psychotherapy in some form for over 30 years now. And uh, I've seen many, 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 many marriages crumble because neither one of them are willing to be angry at each other. Oh, they'll yell, yell and scream and holler and throw things. But for the rest of the time, they're trying really hard not to be angry at each other. They scream and holler and yell. They get uh, all upset. They say they're sorry. They have sex. And then they start the whole process all over again. And that goes on for years and years and years. Or they just stuff it. They just don't tell each other what's in their hearts and minds. They don't talk to each other about what's going on. They don't know what happened in their uh, partner's childhood. They've been together for 20 years, and they have no idea what happened in their partner's childhood. You know. And I've said to them, well, you know what? You could have married a serial killer. How do, you, how do you know who you married? You didn't even know about their childhood, really? So, and I don't say it that way, of course, but, but I say it a little more therapeutically than that. But the point is that we're, that, that we're making the mistake of thinking that we shouldn't know each other. And anger is one of the ways we know each other. So that's a way it can be a hammer. And and we need to be really clear on that. So I want to say we're going to talk some more about how we can use anger to enhance our spiritual awareness right after the break. Stay tuned for that.
0: This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. If you are looking to shift from struggle to a life of alignment with your deepest truth, you'll want to tune in to Thresholds to Awakening with host Sway Emily Spilkin. Our program will help you discover that your deepest challenges are not mistakes, but opportunities to become who you really are. Thresholds to Awakening. Enter your darkness to find your light, where Sway speaks with spiritual luminaries, cutting-edge thought leaders, and experts in the field of transformation. Listen live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? If you're searching for the answers to these and other spiritual questions, you can look within. And you can tune into The Open Door. Our program will expand your awareness of the teachings of the Ascended Masters, offer you practical tools that promote self-mastery and personal freedom, and provide an unerring pathway for graduating from Earth School Room. The Open Door with host Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy is broadcast live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. This is the Voice America Seventh Wave Channel.
1: You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll-free. 866 472 5795 That's one 866 Four seven two five seven nine five. you can also send your questions or comments by email to andrea at andrea matthews now back to authentic living with andrea matthews
2: and we're back talking today about anger and it's a powerful ability to transform our lives and make us deeper, stronger, more viable spiritual beings. So as we've been, as I said in the beginning, we've been taught by many people from religions of antiquity and all the way down through the New Age and New Thought movement, which are two different movements, but um, I, I don't use them in the same sentence because they're the same, but they, uh, both of those movements very often teach that anger is a bad thing and that we should not feel it and we should hurry up and forgive people so that we can get past it. I do believe that holding on to anger is is a form of repression, and it can eventually evolve into uh, bitterness and even violence. But, and I and I want to be clear here, I am not saying that we have an excuse to go, you know, yell, scream, and holler and throw things at people now because anger is okay. What I what I'm saying is when we get to the stage of yell, screaming, holler, and and yelling at people, we have already uh, gotten to the point where we are um at the explosion phase of anger instead of the uh... and because it's been repressed for a while or at least suppressed for a while so, okay, what we've said is that anger can be very useful, and what we've talked about is that it's the hammer that with which we build our house and with which we uh, can, because we have that house, we can live in our lives. We can inhabit our lives. We can inhabit our joy. We can inhabit our feelings. We can inhabit life itself better. And here's, the, here's what's so important about this. If we are not fully involved in our lives And by that I mean at the deepest essential core level of our beings, if we are not really in life, we are not really connected to the divine, because the divine and life are uh, synonymous terms. So, uh, of course, you have the right to choose whether or not you agree with that or any other statements that I make, but um, the, the life force itself is divine in its essence, and That is what we connect to when we experience ourselves in full, when we're trying to push away parts of ourselves, whether we call that ego or whether we call that anger or whether we call that negative emotion. When we're trying to push away parts of ourselves, we are not fully alive. We're splitting ourselves off and we're not becoming spiritual beings okay so um so what else can can this hammer be used for how else can it can we actually see it in a practical way in our lives well one of the one of the practicalities of anger is anger is that it can help us be a force for change you know we hear a lot of people out there saying be the change you want to see in the world and I, while I, I do not disagree with that statement i do think we can do that but if we're not being authentic when we're trying to be the change that we want to see in the world, we're not being anything. <laughs> so, um, you know, when anytime we tell ourselves to be something, instead of just being who we are and, and being with who we are and being present with that and allowing it to be so that it can give us its full message, then we are striving uh, to 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 be something. And in that process, we are repressing something else. Therefore, we're still splitting ourselves off. So in being the change we want to see in the world, I'm not saying that we should try to be something different. What I am saying is that we can use our anger as a viable force for change. Now, I'm not saying go be violent, go shoot somebody, people down or anything like that. I'm saying that if we use anger in its earliest, most aware stages, when it first comes up, it can say, you know what? I want to change the laws in my state. I want to uh, uh, do something about child abu- abuse. I want to donate to a cause. I want to uh, build, make my house bigger and more inclusive. I'm using my hammer now to include the world. Uh, I have something important to say about human rights. I have something important to say about starvation in the world. I have something to say about... Uh, Uh, movies that spend $250 million on a movie that junks on a weekend when people are starving all over the world. Okay, We have a lot of wonderful actors and actresses out there who are uh, uh, really doing wonderful things to change the world, and yet the enormity of the amount of money that is being spent in these things. And when I hear about these CEOs making 70 and $90 million, and none of it or very little of it is going to causes that are meaningful to the world, when there's people still starving out there, there's a problem with that. And, yeah, that makes me angry. So I'm doing something about it right now. I'm voicing my anger to you, and I'm saying to you, we need to change that. We need to uh, spread the wealth around a little bit. And uh, people hear that and they go, oh, that's communism. No, I'm not talking about communism. I'm talking about sharing, okay? That's what I'm talking about. So um, so when we talk about anger as a useful tool for change, absolutely. Can we get self-righteous with our anger? Yeah, we can. But that's more shadow material coming forth, and we can deal with that too. Um, anger can also enable our awareness. Because anger is a sharp, keen emotion, it can make us more aware of our other emotions. You know, a little while ago when I said that anger can be associated with other emotions, so that sometimes we cry um, when we're when we're angry. That's fine, uh, and what that does is it says, um, "I've got other emotions going on here besides just that raw anger." Um, if we if we want to express ourselves as as alive beings then what we want to do is make sure that we are fully involved in our lives. Um, And one of the things that's kept us from being able to do that is our understanding, our older understanding of the law of attraction. And Most of you know that I've written a book called The Law of Attraction, The Soul's Answer to Why It Isn't Working and How It Can. And what that book talks about is how it is that we are not attracting um, from the outside world to the inside world to give ourselves happiness, what we're really doing with the law of attraction is attracting all those things, people, places, events, and circumstances that will help us to come to know ourselves better. And anger is one of those tools. And in that same vein, I want to tell you about the Encore presentation coming up this week uh, that oprah 's going to have on her supercell Sunday series because in that Wayne Dyer is going to be talking just a little bit about the difference between the art of manifestation and the law of attraction. I really like some of the stuff he says there, so july seventh eleven a m Eastern and Pacific. This Sunday, there's going to be, like I said, an encore presentation in which Oprah travels to Hawaii to visit with Wayne Dyer, the father of motivation, to talk about the art of manifestation that turns out to be very different from what we learned about the law of attraction in which we don't attract what we want. But we, but we attract who we are by aligning with Source. So uh, that's very similar to what I've said in the book, The Law of Attraction: The Soul's Answer to Why It Isn't Working and How It Can. And in that book, also, you'll find some information about exploring our our emotions as well, and and anger is in there as well. So, um, so focusing back on our our, our topic today, and anger. The, the idea that we can become more aware of other emotions that are associated with anger, sorrow, um, uh, a kind of deep alignment with life itself because we're angry. Um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, just the other day, I heard about a situation where somebody got mad because somebody was being treated unfairly, and the somebody who was being treated unfairly uh, got mad at the person who got mad. <laughs> so let's say Joe and Alice. Okay, Joe. Uh, got mad because Alice was being treated unfairly, but Alice got mad at Joe because uh, Joe was mad at whoever was treating Alice unfairly. Well, then the very next day, Alice got mad because she was being treated unfairly. And Joe said, well, see, that's what I was angry about yesterday. And she went, oh, okay, well, that that's the deal. That I see now. Now I'm angry. My self-love is kicking in. Yesterday, you were loving me with your anger. Now today, I'm loving me with my anger. And that's what anger can do. It can put us more in touch with a deeper love for ourselves. It can put us more in touch with that deep river of living experience that is what we're here to have. Um, it can also make us more hopeful. It can make us believe that we can do something about something. We're in a situation where we feel powerless and anger comes up and says, by God, you got some power, do something. It helps us to be creative about what we can do because anger can help us get that energy going that says, let's do something about this. Let's solve this problem. Um, anger can empower us. You know, many of us, many, many, many of us, most of us to some degree or another grew up in homes where... We felt powerless to one degree or another to do anything about the unfairness that was going on in our homes and often addressed to us. We we felt as if there was not much we could do about that. And we grew in that emotion. We grew in that sense of powerlessness. And so everything about our growth is a little bit warped by that, by that sense. And anger, getting in touch with our anger can help us go, you know what? I have some power here, and I'm going to use it. So when we when we use anger that way, it empowers us to inhabit our lives again. And 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 here's here's a really really important thing. Anger can help us build boundaries. I said a little while ago we're building the walls where we want them to be in our house with that hammer that is anger. Uh, it it can help us to build boundaries. And, and boundaries are not the same as big, thick walls, like not the kind you have in a house, but the big, thick walls that you might go around, the, uh, the, around a, a fenced-out building, um, thick brick walls. We, we build those because we're too afraid to build boundaries because a boundary can say, look, you can come this far, but you can't come any further. A wall says you're not even coming in the atmosphere. <laughs> um, and we, we find walls safer to build than we find boundaries because uh, boundaries have some fluidity we can move them where we want them to be walls, they're, they're there, they're not moving so, so so anger can say, when you do that, I get angry it hurts my feelings, it steps on my toes, it, whatever but when you do this, I'm happy Walls say, you're not coming anywhere near, so I'm not going to find out whatever you do that's good for me. I'm only going to know that you can't come out of the room. Okay, So we don't want to build walls. We want to build boundaries. And we want to be able to choose when to flex them in and out as we choose with whomever. Uh, we choose to have do that with, and the other thing that that anger can do is it can seriously and deeply connect us to the divine. Now that is not something we typically think of. Anger is a bad thing, and it can't connect us to a good God who's far away up in the heavens somewhere, and we can't really connect with Him when we're bad. Him being uh, uh, gender specific term that's often used that I don't use, but um, so so the divine is not only that essence of life, which I spoke of a minute, ago, a minute ago, but also, um, that essence of everything that we are. So when we are, allow ourselves to feel our anger, we are not splitting off from it. And every time we don't split off, we get deeper in touch with the essence of oneness that we are as united people that aren't split off between consciousness and unconsciousness. So that gets us deeper into the soul of who we are. And it also connects us to other people in a deeper, more meaningful way. Because when we can know our anger, we can know where our boundaries should be. We can know what we want to change. We can develop hope. We're more self-aware. And we're building the house that we inhabit in our psychology and our spirituality. So it... It allows us to, because we feel that safety in our own house, we can connect with the divine at a deeper, more meaningful level. So in all of those ways, anger is an extremely helpful and transformative of uh, emotion that can uh, change our lives if we let ourselves feel it. But when we're going around saying, uh-oh, anger, that's a negative emotion, you're, you're going to attract some bad things in your life with that. That's what the law of attra- old law of attraction said. You know, you'll attract bad things if you feel angry. No, 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 no. You won't. Your anger isn't a part of you and it needs to be experienced. So that's what we've got for today. I certainly could have more to say about that, as I'm sure you could. Um, And next week we're going to follow up on this discussion a little bit with Betsy Thompson, who comes back to our show for the second time to talk about how we can make our actions and reactions work for instead of against us. So stay here for that next week. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth